Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Seppi. I'm excited to be joined by Jake Kokorowski, Wisconsin State Journal Badgers reporter, and also perhaps the only person in the Big Ten who likes Culver's more than me. Jake, <laughs> thanks for joining me. My reputation precedes me. Awesome. Uh, no, thanks for having me on, John. It's always great talking with you. Another uh, Wisconsin, uh, you know, native. Uh, I know you're across state borders now, but it's always great seeing you on Big Ten Media Days or whenever Wisconsin plays Iowa. And uh, looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Yes, you as well. So let's get talking to Wisconsin football. The question that people have been asking me about Wisconsin all week is: Okay, Luke Fickle's in. How much different is this Wisconsin team going to be versus what Iowa fans saw one year, two years, however many years ago? Right. And, you know, it's funny, like from um, if you look just at the stat book, right, uh, it looks like the more it stays, you know, the more ch- things change, the more the stays the same. Right. Why do I say that? Wisconsin leads the Big Ten in rushing yards per game, uh, which you all stare at and you're like, well, what, what did they exactly change? And But you when Iowa fans watch you there, if you're at Camp Randall Stadium, which. Uh, it's supposed to be a stripe out uh, where they interchange the, you know, r- you know, the, the stands and the sections with white and red. Uh, we'll see how many are there with the projected weather forecast. But if you watch it on TV, you're going to see Wisconsin really be it, it's it's an air raid system. It is uh, there is a change in philosophy, and that's uh, Luke Fickle bringing in Phil Longo from North Carolina. Uh, who obviously, you know, Sam Howell, Drake May are two quarterbacks for the Tire Heels that uh, thrived underneath Longo's system at North Carolina. And, you know, but he hasn't escaped the power running game either. And he never escaped really the running game at North Carolina too, where they had, I think, was one year with 2,000-yard receivers, if I'm not mistaken. So Phil Longo, he said even before, you know, when he first was introduced to Wisconsin reporters, was saying like, you know, yeah, I mean – I take the personnel around and, you know, it's like every good court, court, you know, basically the saying he takes what players are around them and and he works with it. And he, there's a resume with that back at Sam Houston state uh, among other places too. So um, you will see a lot of three wide receiver sets, Wisconsin's primary, you know, not primary, but it's uh, 11 personnel is the one tight end, one running back, one, uh, three wide receivers. And, uh, and Wisconsin use that a lot in third downs, two minute offense, uh, down in distance, you know, with second and long or what, whatnot, first and long. Uh, so that, th- that was like the, in terms of personnel, it's most dominant, not by a lot because you see a lot of 21, you know, two back sets, two tight end sets, three tight end sets, but the most, the predominantly within the offense, it is three wide receiver set almost all the time, unless it's short yardage or goal line. And then you'll see two or tight ends, you know, two tight end, three side ten sets. But with that, they're still in the shotgun. They're always in the shotgun. There's barely any anything under center uh, for Wisconsin anymore. Defensively, you look at just what uh, they're trying to do. And Mike Trestle said at the beginning of the year when he was first introduced to reporters that he was going to try to mesh the the elite. Saw what happened with Jim Leonard with what they did against the, with the rush defense uh, and how they're among the best in the nation defending the run. Iowa saw that firsthand last year and in years past, uh, but also what they've done against the pass uh, at Cincinnati. And, you know, it's been mixed results. The, the first five games for Wisconsin, where, you know, you give, they gave up almost 400 yards to Purdue uh, nearly 200 on the ground, uh, which was a big aberration there, but then they, they hold, you know, come off a bye week and they hold Rutgers, uh, you know, which is in the game uh, coming into the game 
averaging five yards per per carry and 195 yards per game to under 70, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a team that, um, you know, you're seeing like with what they can do, you know, Jimmy, Jim Leonard had a base three, four type of scheme that utilized nickel, uh, a two, four, five look, you know, Wisconsin out of the bye week used two, four, five, you know, two defensive linemen, four linebackers, five defensive backs, a lot against Rutgers. And it'll be interesting to see how they, they look, you know, but I, I think in my eyes that nickel package may be the best uh, that they have. Uh, but we also know, you know, Iowa likes its tight ends. Uh, we'll see. And the running game is going to be huge for, for Iowa this weekend, especially with possible conditions that it may be. So will they go more base for three, four? Uh, that, so maybe defensively, you may not see a lot uh, of changes in terms of just personnel looks. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it, it will be, I think Iowa fans will see, especially if offensively, a little bit of changes here and there, uh, you know, in terms of just the look of it. And we'll just see if Wisconsin can run uh, like they have, uh, you know, this year against Iowa, which again, it's going to be a battle of who wins up front. And I think the interesting thing you are alluding to whether if anybody hasn't heard, it's not right now, at least as we record forecasted to be a pleasant day, rain, wind, etc. All the fun things of football. So it's kind of funny that the first game of Iowa, Wisconsin, where Wisconsin is this new air raid team, you're getting kind of traditional grinded out football weather. Really is. I'm looking at weather.com right now. We are recording on a Wednesday. They're forecasting the high to be 52, which is going to be a 3 p.m. kickoff uh, on Fox, right? But, you know, high of 52, and they're saying winds are going to be north to northeast at 15 to 25 miles per hour. Rain chances about uh, 70% uh, and higher wind gusts are possible. That's almost nearly verbatim from weather.com, man. It, it's, you know, it's, it, 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 <laughs> so will you see what Wisconsin's offense, the potential could be uh, in these type of conditions, uh, potential conditions? Probably not. Uh, you know, Wisconsin with, with its offense and its air raid, you, you know, a lot of things, uh, those, the short passing game can act as pseudo runs where uh, they act like it. Maybe you'll, you'll probably see that depending upon how wet it is and how many, if there are actual torrential downpours or if it's just light sprinkling. Uh, but those act as pseudo runs. And if it's slippery, people make tackles that could break for a deeper pass. Uh, a lot, you know, the, the yards after catch are huge within Phil Longo's offense. And we'll see just how good Iowa's tackling is uh, when it comes to you know the conditions there. Likewise with Wisconsin for that matter. But yeah, I mean, it, this, it shapes up to be one of those games that uh, turnovers uh, and, you know, turnovers are going to be key in, in playing clean. Uh, the pre-sap penalties will have to be for both sides. Uh, next to nothing uh, for, you know, for them to like pull out, especially with, I mean, uh, Wisconsin, you know, they probably should be undefeated if not for three turnovers at Washington state. Uh, so, and against a rival like Iowa, we we've all, you know, you and I have both seen this rivalry uh, over the years and, you know, those play huge and obviously special teams does well, uh, does as well. So uh, that's, yeah, it's going to be quite the game I think on Saturday. And looking kind of position by position here, first of all, quarterback, Tanner Mordecai, what should Iowa fans expect to see from him? How would you kind of basically describe Tanner for dummies, kind of? Right. You know, Tanner, honestly, I will say I'm just looking at the stats right now. The stats don't do him justice. Three touchdown passes, three interceptions in five games. I was like, what's going on? You know, he's averaging about 204 yards per contest through the air. 
he's completed about 64% of his passes. Uh, he has commanded the offense extremely well. Uh, you know, kind of a rough couple outings at the beginning of the year, you know, in terms of turnovers, but two, you know, two of the Wisconsin fumbles against Wazoo, they were strip sacks because got hit from the blind side really quickly by an all pack 12 defender and Ron Stone Jr. So that wasn't his fault for not feeling a heat couple seconds right after getting the snap. I will say, you know, just what you can do, especially from him, accurate passer, which is what you need within Phil Longo's air scheme, uh, air raid scheme, can make every throw you want in this system uh, that a power five quarterback, a good power five quarterback should make. But he's also deceptively, uh, you know, I joked, you know, I think I joked with him uh, after, during, after the Purdue game, like dual threat quarterback. And he goes, because he had a couple of touchdowns against Purdue there. He has the ability, he has the wheels to take off. And that's something that you really didn't see out of Graham Mertz years past. Chase Wolf had that ability uh, as a backup for Wisconsin. Uh, you know, Jack Cohn uh, back in 2019 had that nice read option basically for a touchdown uh, in the Big Ten championship game against Ohio State. He had some deceptive wheels. Mordecai is more athletic than all of them. Uh, and he's able to make plays, you know, and read well, and he's intelligent, and he's playing instinctively within the offense. He also does a great job. Wisconsin snaps haven't been great this year. Jake Renfro, who everyone thought would be the starting center over from uh, Cincinnati when he transferred over, uh, you know, he he's had injuries uh, and whatnot and working his way back. It'll be interesting to see if he actually – um, you know, depending upon what happens with him, uh, you know, when he'll start seeing action. But Tanner Bordellini has been the, the starting center uh, for this season so far. And, you know, he's done mostly a good job, but the, the problem is, has been at times, sometimes slower snaps, sometimes snaps that have been off, uh, off kilter a little bit. Uh, and especially in a game like this, that, that could be a deciding factor in terms of a big play or, uh, you know, a negative play. Uh, but he's done a great job ma- handling those snaps and being athletic enough to make the quick reactions and, and still, br- you know, break off in a, a, a successful play. So uh, I think he, again, the numbers don't do him justice for what he's meant to this offense. And you can see how he commands it. Uh, and, you know, he's also, you know, one of the team leaders already as a sixth year senior. So uh, is, you know, final year as a college athlete. So, I mean, he's, within this offense, he's everything that you want a quarterback to be. And again, we'll just see just again, how the conditions play out on Saturday, but uh, he is a very much a, um, a force that is steady, uh, stable, uh, and he can make plays uh, when he's called upon, when it's called upon. And then you're mentioning the offensive line with the center kind of overall, I think everyone knows in terms of from running back, what Braylon Allen can do at this point, they probably know a little too well, from 2021 what you can do how's the blocking ahead of Braylon you know it, it, I think it's in it's improved the one thing that that air raid system can do is that it, you know the 11 personnel spreads you out um it, it is a you have three wide receiver sets consistently the spacing out they no longer have to deal with having six blockers on eight or nine players sometimes it'll happen but the majority of the time you know, they're able to open up more holes. Uh, you've seen that happen with not just Braylon Allen, but now the injured Chess Malusi, even Jackson Aker, who's, you know, basically the third running back uh, before Malusi's injury. He stepped up against Rutgers last week uh, for 65 rushing yards. He, you know, the, combine that with like the power running of Allen and Aker right now, you, you, you know, they they bowled over a good Rutgers defense that was, that was allowing under 100 yards rushing per 
contest uh, and whatnot. So the blocking's been there, uh, you know. And the one thing that I looked at, especially after the bye week, was cleaning up some of the pre-snap penalties because the offensive line had, especially against Purdue. Uh, the, I'm, I'm keen in on Purdue in partic- particular, but you know, the pre-snap penalties are just offensive line penalties. They had a lot of them. Uh, they had 11 penalties overall. I think five of them were on the offensive line, if I'm not mistaken, against Purdue before the bye week. And so you saw it cleaned up there. You know, you have someone like Jack Nelson who should be an NFL caliber offensive tackle at left tackle or guard. Maybe he probably slides in Tanner Bordellini. I mentioned him. I think he's he could be a good hand at offensive line, uh, and you know everyone else has pretty much solidified things. They have a rot- rotation at um, at guard, but you know at the two guard spots. Uh, Joe Huber, another Cincinnati transfer. Trey Wedig, a former four star kid, and then Michael Furtney, who's in his sixth year. They all, you know, the three. You know, Wedig I think bounces back between left guard and right guard, uh, but Huber and Furtney start at left and right guard respectively. So, uh, and then you know, kind of a one guy that's been just a real steady anchor on that right tackle spots, Riley Malman, and uh, who is a former four-star kid out of Minnesota. And, you know, like I said, they, they can get things done in the run game now, especially now that they don't have to, they're not outnumbered uh, compared to last year or years past uh, where very much Wisconsin was relying on the run. They still want to run the ball and they know what the personnel they have, but that the air raid has helped them space things out that they can create more openings. And then from a receiving course standpoint, it seems like Braylon Allen also is really more involved there. What kind of are the matchups that maybe Wisconsin may have an advantage or disadvantage in? You know, it's a, with Wisconsin, I mean, obviously everyone knows Cooper Gene and that's, uh, he's the name and oh, he, Vic, you know, he just wiped the floor with Wisconsin last year, both cornerback, was it a pick six? And then on top of that, the special teams play with a punt return uh, to set up the Iowa's third touchdown late in the third quarter. It is a, with Wisconsin, this is a, uh, the receivers there, they brought in four transfers. Will Pauling, who's just one of the slot receivers, and Phil Longo, apps, as a coordinator, apps, he professed his love for slot receivers uh, the, you know during media day right before training camp started. And so Will Pauling and Skylar Bell are the two slot receivers that you should that people should watch for. Steady hands for the most part. Uh, Pauline, I would say Skylar Bell's had two opportunities for some deep receptions that he's dropped, uh, not to pick on Skylar, uh, because I know Skylar Bell is also a uh, Iowa target back in the class of 2021. Um, but, you know, Skylar's still really good hand at, in, in the slot. The outside receivers, Chimray DK, one of the team, you know, team leaders, really. Um, outside, and then they brought in CJ Williams, a former four star kid, uh, out of uh Southern California, and Bryson Green, who is a deep threat. We'll see just how deep they can throw it on Saturday, but uh, with the conditions. But Bryson Green's one of those guys that he can make those contested 50 50 balls. And so, if there are opportunities to throw in between the wind and the rain, uh, you know, those are some of the names to find out, and you know, it. One thing that we've talked about and one thing that my colleague Colton Barthami is writing about uh, for this week is just a lack of deep balls. There's a lot, you know, but trying to, we're trying to figure out, is it just what the defense is giving other defenses are giving, or is it on the flip side, just the execution? And I think the answer right now is probably somewhere in the middle of everything. And then defensively, obviously never easy to lose somebody like Nick Herbig. What, kind of has been you know since that Washington State game where they gave up I can't remember off the top of my head how many points it was but seemed to be a bigger number there how much growth have you seen from that unit 
Yeah, you know, yeah, they gave up like technically it was 31-22, but one of those t- one of those points were, you know, those touchdowns were uh it was a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Uh in you know, in the end zone. Uh it was one of those strip sacks from Ron Stone Jr. and a lineman picked it up for right in the end zone for a touchdown. Um so that number's kind of skewed. But you see the two big names that Wisconsin needed to replace was, or, you know, were Herbig, but there's also Keanu Benton, the nose tackle who really good, all big 10 performer, both guys now are on the Steelers for what it's, uh, for what it's worth. And I know Benton's making a name for himself on the interior of the line of the Steelers defense, despite the Steelers having a terrible offense uh, in this season for, for those, if there's any type of Venn diagram of Iowa and <laughs> Steeler fans, uh, besides the colors uh, of each team, but this is a you're looking at with a couple of guys have stepped up in that regard. Really, on the defensive line, James Thompson Jr. Uh, this is a kid, you know, redshirt junior, fourth year, one of the strongest players on the team, but has. Four and a half tackles for loss, three sacks among the Big Ten leaders in sacks. Like, not that not doesn't lead it, but I think he's maybe second or third around there in that regard. He's just a, a big physical presence, uh, can move people very, can be very fast in that regard. You know, you're not going to see out of this group, and I'm look, checking on the stats there, you're not really going to see a lot of outside linebacker. The outside linebacker group doesn't have a Herbig right now, right? And Herbig, had you know double digit sacks last year, first team all big team performer. Yeah, CJ Getz has, has made an impact. He's a sixth year player who came back, uh, two and a half sacks. Daryl Peterson had a couple of sacks earlier this year. You know, those are the starters, those are, those are the guys to watch there. But I think you know, you'll see guys, you know, like a Jake Cheney, who's an inside linebacker, has stepped up. Uh, and it's a different position group, uh, than the outside linebackers, but he's a bulldozer when he can get you. Know, I was running backs if they get into third and long situations or third or moderate and they need to pass the ball. Cheney is a bulldozer that can really affect the game in the interior and make quarterbacks life miserable because he, his pass rush, his blitz, his downhill speed is just incredible. Uh, so those are some of the guys that you should watch there. But I think the other guy, guy to watch around the field is just Hunter Wooler. He's list, listed as a safety, but sometimes Wisconsin goes to what they call their dollar package. And essentially it's a, a dime package. So six defensive backs, but he acts as a hybrid safety linebacker. And what he does within that is really just, you know, he floats around the, uh, the line of scrimmage. I had a story where I joked about it, where I said, he's like Roy Kent, the Roy Kent chant from Ted Lasso. He's here. He's there. He's every expletive deleted where, uh, and that's where he can, you know, and you'll see that he's one of the you know, big 10 leaders and tackles. He's got a couple interceptions to his name. He hasn't really made, he can get in the backfield and make sacks. He hasn't necessarily been asked to do that yet. Uh, but that's only when that within that package, but he's going to be someone to watch too, uh, especially in the run game and trying to stop someone like a Caleb Johnson and just how he affects the line of scrimmage there. And then still a few days until game day, but do you have your score prediction yet? Uh, I, I know like I haven't even checked the, what the over under is right now for points. I'm a, I would, you know, I, I was listening to another podcast. I think I listened to split zone duo. Uh, uh, some old SB nation guys. Uh, obviously I used to write for us, but one of the SB nation sites, but uh, someone just said, you know, bet the mortgage on the under uh, I'm going <laughs> to bet. Yeah, I would do that. And again, nothing against both teams, but it's going to be sloppy conditions. Uh, whoever is the cleanest will win. I do think Wisconsin will win. I think it's going to be, Within ten points, um, a ten point, you know, possibly a touchdown game for between four points to touch. I'll say, 
17 to 17, 10 Wisconsin. Um, and again, if I, if a team gets more than 20, the first, to first to 17 probably wins, uh, in this game because of the conditions, but just watch as I say that now is they probably go off for a 45, 42 type of contest with, you know, everyone's missing tackles and somehow special teams racks up three touchdowns each. I don't know. Yeah. Like I think same thing first to 17. It's hard to imagine both teams getting up to 17 points in this kind of game. I right now, this is probably sacrilege in the state of Iowa, and I should be getting a protective detail maybe in Iowa City, but (laughs) I'm going to say Wisconsin 13, Iowa, or Wisconsin 16, Iowa 13. I think this is a tough matchup for Iowa. The dysfunctional offense that we've seen the last two weeks where they go an entire game without completing a pass to a wide receiver that's eventually going to catch up to them. I think the spread when I was looking earlier today is 10. I think it, I don't picture it being that much of a lopsided game. Like no. the, the, the only difference I see with that happening would be if their turnovers, like it, cause Wisconsin has made some plays last week in particular, you saw someone, um, you know, Ricardo Hallman have that 95 yard pick six, which really was the play of the game that could have been, it could have been 10, three, 10, seven Rutgers going into the half and they get the ball back. And he makes a great read breaks on the ball and then takes it 17, nothing at the half. And that's all they wrote. Yeah. You know, Wisconsin has had, I'm just taking a look at stats, eight interceptions right now and see how many fumble recoveries a couple looks like. So, I mean, they, they've forced some turnovers. You want a little bit more out of them. And I mean, the run game is going to be key. And if they can stop Caleb Johnson, if they're forcing the third and long situations, can they put enough pressure on Deacon Hill, who obviously that's going to be a major storyline. Can't, you know, and Colton Bartholomew, you talked to him separately. I know you all had a chance to talk with Deacon earlier this week too, but um, you know, homecoming for him, just uh, how will they be able to make his homecoming or his, his return to Madison unpleasant uh, besides whatever's happening with the weather. Yeah. And Deacon's looking to improve from a six for 21 mark, which obviously not ideal and granted not against a superb Purdue secondary either. So that's me. I think one of the more interesting storylines is you don't need him to look like CJ Stroud in this matchup. Right. But if he can be closer to the 13 for 21, 14 for 21, even you could probably get by with 10 for 21 with this kind of game. I think that puts Iowa in a much better position than if passes to wide receivers are going over their heads or also some bad luck in that six or 21, like the interception that goes off Seth Anderson's helmet. Like, right. Bad luck is bad luck, but it wasn't just bad luck. That's for sure against Purdue. So it'll be a fun game. I think this is a really good rivalry and that kind of gets to the next thing I was going to bring up this game being protected annually through 2028. I think that's a big win for both schools. Yeah, I I think it is, uh, you know, it's, you have the Heartland Trophy. Uh, I think Chris Orr, I know it's a bull. Uh, he used to refer to it as the uh, pig bull, I think, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, back when Not back in the day. He's only been gone for a couple of years. But, it, you know, it's it's a rivalry that there's, a, you know, Luke Fickle talked about it in his press conference on Monday. He's a traditionalist. He thinks that rivalries are important. You know, you, you heard the word respect being thrown around. There is respect. I mean, the, you know, and, and 
what other two programs have really mirrored each other as much as Wisconsin and, and Iowa and just how they've been. And now you're seeing Wisconsin deviate from that formula a little bit more in terms of yeah, obviously new head coach and the the system that they brought over offensively. But I mean, the game will be run one in the trenches. It's going to be a physical affair and what better way to show which team is better in the trenches is during not a monsoon, but it's not going to be, it's going to be a dreary October afternoon. And watch as we say this, watch the forecast just miraculously open up. And after all week, when we're thinking it's going to be this terrible conditions, there'll be blue skies over Camp Randall. Probably not that, but it's funny how meteorology can change sometimes. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jake, it'll be great to see you on Saturday and thanks for joining me. Hey man, thank you for having hey man. Looking forward to safe travels up here in the morning, man. Uh looking forward to seeing you up in the press box. Make sure you say hi and thank you all for listening to me ramble. Appreciate y'all. Yes, absolutely. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into another episode. Until next time, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.